bid you welcome to Hebron on this last day of the year, this last worship service of the year 2023. And as we come to seek the Lord and worship Him, we're singing together the hymn 40, O worship the King, all glorious above, will gratefully sing His power and His love. Let's all stand to sing. Let's read our psalm for today. It's the Psalm 51, 53, 
<coughs> the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they, and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, that did seek God. Every one of them is gone back. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Have the workers of iniquity no knowledge, who eat up my people as they eat bread? They have not called upon God. There were they in great fear, where no fear was. For God has scattered the bones of him that encampeth against thee. Thou hast put them to shame, because God hath despised them. Oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion, when God bringeth back the captivity of his people. Jacob shall rejoice, and Israel shall be glad. May God take his word and write it upon every heart for the Savior's sake. <coughs> As we come to pray, we want you to be mindful of those that are in need today, particularly. We think of our sister Margaret Carey and James Wallace. We think of Davy and Margaret Davison. Davy's sister Isabel passed away yesterday morning. And we think of our sister Mamie Halliday and family circle, the Calderwood family. Mamie's sister-in-law Marion passed away yesterday. And Jacqueline Getty's brother-in-law Alec also has passed away. And we want to remember the Ross family with the, the tragic passing of Lydia. With these things before us, we'll seek the Lord and call upon his great name. Our Father, we come to the presence of our God on this last Lord's Day of the year. Not only the last Lord's Day, but the very last day of a year that Thou hast graciously given to us and brought us through. We want to come in worship and thanksgiving. We look back over the course of the past 12 months and we rejoice in the goodness of God to us his hand upon the work here at Hebron. For every blessing, every token of your mercy towards us, Lord, we want to acknowledge these things at the end of the year and praise God from whom all blessings flow. We rejoice in every soul that found the Savior, met the Lord, lives that were changed and transformed by the power of the gospel. We thank you for every time that you came down in answer to prayer. How many times through the year we prayed, oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down. And there have been those times when we've really felt that and known that in the midst of our gatherings, the presence of the Lord in a most powerful and unique way. Thank you for every time that you've drawn near to us as a congregation, blessed us through your word, blessed us in our fellowship, the one with the other. But we do thank you for our brethren and sisters in Christ those of like precious faith who know the Lord and love the Lord and have sought to extend your kingdom upon earth even during the past 12 months. We pray that you will continue to bless every seed of the gospel sown, every work that we sought to do for the Lord last year, 
or this past year. And we pray that you will continue to own it. And we think of all the prayers that are still before the Lord that have not been answered yet. And some of these prayers have been for dear ones in the family who are still out of Christ without a Savior, strangers to your grace. Lord, we pray that as our prayers have ascended before God and they are never forgotten by him, that thou will continue to answer the cries of your people and that thou will send the answer soon. As we enter a new year tonight and as we look forward to serving the Lord in a new year, we pray that the blessing of God will be upon the congregation, every department of the work, from the children's work through to the adult work, prayer meetings, everything that is done in this house. Lord, may it be done with a sole aim to glorify God and to exalt the dear Savior. We have mentioned those that are in particular need as they mourn the passing of their dear ones today. Lord, we commit Davy and Margaret into your care. And we pray for Mamie and the Calderwood family circle. We remember Jacqueline today and that family. How we praise thee that in our times of sorrow, Jesus comes near. He came to Bethany when he was sent for. He came to sympathize with Mary and Martha. And he still comes to his people in such occasions and he still sympathizes with us. And he still has a word that is suitable and appropriate. Lord, we pray that a word will be found for those that sorrow today. We remember especially the Ross family in the passing, the sudden, solemn, tragic passing of Lydia. We commit a grieving home into your care. We thank you for the triumph of grace that we've heard about that has sustained them thus far. And we pray that that will continue. We know the testimony of this home is that the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in those dark providences where we have not a human answer, we know that there is a God in heaven who is over all, who works everything out according to his plan and purpose. And Lord, we pray that this family will prove it to be so, that all things work together for good to them that love God. We pray today for Margaret and James, for Derek and others, Lord, that have been in hospital, that God will be with them. And Lord, we pray that you will bless this day, even tonight as we come later for the gospel meeting at nine o'clock. And as we have our watch night service, Lord, as we end this year, as we we finish it off in the house of God. Lord, let your presence be known, your power to be felt. But to be your unsaved ones who have still, Lord, ignored your grace and neglected so great salvation, may this last day even be the day when they will find the Lord and trust in Christ. Now we're able to do these things. And as we meet here, Lord, we're conscious that throughout our land, indeed throughout our nation, there are many who meet just like this, who love the Lord, who seek to serve him and honor him. Lord, we pray that this will be a high day in the nation, in the service of King Jesus. <coughs> we pray these things in his name. Amen. Number 42, on this last day, we want to exalt the Lord. And this hymn speaks about God's greatness. How great thou art is the hymn. O oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder 
consider all the works thy hand hath made.
will sing without the music the third verse again, brought to the cross here. This is the center of what we are and what we believe, that God sent His Son to die in our guilty room instead. When I think that God, and we'll get the key, and then we'll sing. very last day of the year, we bid you welcome to the worship service here at Hebron. We do that in the Savior's name. Glad to welcome Gordon and Janice, as always, visiting with us at this service. And we're glad to have Valera with us. He has not been well for a little while, but uh, hopefully he's improving. May the Lord bless him in health and touch him in his body. If you're joining us on the internet, glad to have you. Sermon Audio, Facebook, and YouTube viewers, welcome in the precious name of the Savior. Tonight is different. Uh, Time-wise, we want you to remember that the service is not until nine o'clock, our New Year's Eve service. In between that and the watch night, refreshments will be served. Uh, so that will be around 10 o'clock, and then the watch night service at 11 bringing us into the new year together. Regarding the refreshments, if the ladies can bring their usual scones, pancakes, and buns, need to emphasize that we bit different tonight. Ladies, don't forget, help us out if you can. Penny jar money. We still do this, or some do, collect the pennies for the Whitfield College of the Bible. And then at the end of the year, we bring them in, and we send it down to the college. Pennies don't seem much, but when you put them all together, they do make pounds, and in many cases, every year, they make hundreds of pounds. So we do value those that are, that are still doing this and helping out our college in this little way. It's a support to our students. On Wednesday night, our session meeting will take place instead of tomorrow night because of the holiday. Uh, Wednesday night will be the night for our elders to meet at 8 o'clock. Thursday night meeting will be at 8 for Bible study, prayer, and fellowship, and the Christian school is the special uh, prayer request this Thursday. Thinking of Sunday school next Lord's Day, 10.30, the children will get back to Sunday school, the new year, 
and the Bible class at a quarter to 11, and the theme is all of grace, and this is a character study into the lives of some of the giants of the faith, and Phil will deal with Abraham as the first character, the father of the faithful. Worship service, 12 noon, and we always like to preach a motto text setting up the year for us. So the motto text for 2024 in the will of God will be presented to you at the worship service, 12 noon. The Lord's table will follow our worship service for those who know the Lord and are walking with God. And then later on in the afternoon, a season of prayer for our office bearers. Each day that we have the Lord's table, we gather together the session and the committee to pray. And that's at 5.30. The church prayer meeting then will follow at half past six. Family night service, I'll be here to preach in the will of the Lord. And we hope to have the dedication of baby David, uh, David the fifth, God willing, next Sunday night. Refreshments will be served after the meeting. Can I ask you to pray for the ministers who will, from tomorrow week, Monday the 8th, until Friday the 12th of January, gather together for prayer. These prayer times will be in Armagh each day. And then the following week is the Hebron week of prayer, and that's from Monday the 15th to Friday the 19th. Each night at 8 o'clock, we come for about an hour or so just to seek the Lord. No better way could you start the year than starting it with God in His house, in the place where prayer is one to be made, in the place where He said it would be called a house of prayer. And we have felt the benefit and the value of this every year. So keep it aside, brethren and sisters. In between times, we have our missionary weekend. That's the 12th through to the 14th. Friday night at 8 o'clock, Saturday night, 7.30, and then the regular services, 12 and 7. There's a wee bit at the top missing. That was pulled off something, and obviously going into PowerPoint, it has done something with the top that's just not there, but please pray that this will be a profitable weekend as missionary work is emphasized. On that same weekend, it's the New Year Big Breakfast, and that will be in the Carson Complex of the church, and it will be from 8.30 in the morning till 12 noon, and all the proceeds are for our Christian school. I want to thank those who organize it, thank those that cook the breakfast, and thank those in anticipation who will come and benefit from it. We continue to remember the sick of the church and those that need the special touch of the Lord uh, upon their bodies. We pray for Ukraine. We pray for Israel. Let's not forget them as we come to the end of the year and commence a new year. These lands are in great need. We bring our tithes and offerings to the Lord now here in God's house, and there will be a retiring offering for the Christian school. Please remember that. We sing together number 63. There is a name <clears throat> I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. So I'm taking this off our, um, what do you call it, file? And I'm just noticing now 
there is that mistake. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in mine ear, the sweetest name on earth. So if you just remember the second there uh, should be, I love to sing its worth. We'll keep our seats and the offering will be received. Let's all stand and we'll sing the final verse only. And there with all the blood-bought throng. Amen. one of the ones that is able to get to the high notes, especially in that third line of the chorus. We appreciate you making the effort and getting up there 
Uh, some of us were not just able quite to make those high notes. Let's turn in the Word of God for a final time to Luke chapter 2. We have been looking during the month of December, the family of Jesus, and we came last week to Jesus himself, which was the third member. We looked at Joseph, we looked at Mary, and then we looked at Jesus, the son of the family. And we're going to read these verses again with you from verse 40. Referring to the dear Son of God, now in human flesh, the Bible tells us, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. It came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How was it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them, and came to Nazareth, and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. May God take his word and make it a blessing to us on this final day of the year. And we're going to have a wee word of prayer. Almighty God and gracious Father, we thank you for what we read here. Lessons that can be drawn now as we think of the childhood of Jesus and what we can learn from what he was as a boy, and seek to make the application to our hearts, especially our young people. But Lord, we know there's a message for us all. And so as we sit and listen, help us to take in your word, help us to understand it, help us to understand also what God requires from us. And may there be that application of divine truth to every mind and heart by the power and ministry of God the Holy Spirit. Lord, help me to bring the message Weak as I am, I come to my God now for strength. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon preacher and congregation alike just now, we ask in the Savior's name. Amen. And so as we think of the family of Jesus and we come to the, the third character that we've been studying, this really is part two of the message that we began last Lord's Day. There's so much to learn about Christ even in the 
brief information given to us about his childhood. And we know very little about his childhood. We know about his infancy and all the information that we've been thinking about too during this past number of weeks. But here is the only account of the boyhood of the Savior. And yet there's much to learn. What the Bible teaches us concerning Christ as a boy ought to be reflected in the children who truly know the Lord. So if you're a child here, you're young, you might be young in the faith, you profess to know Christ as your Savior. There are characteristics here that ought to be seen in you also if you know the Lord. Let me remind all of us that we are to be like Christ. So important to say that. To walk a Christ-like life on earth is not only most glorifying to God, but it is an evidence that we are in a state of grace. You come to Christ by grace, through grace are we saved. You walk by the grace of God in this life, and the evidence of being in that state of grace, really knowing the Lord, should be seen, and one of the ways in which it will be seen is that your life will reflect Jesus Christ. Jesus died, now listen to this, to make us like himself, that we might be like him. We are to be conformed to the image of his Son. Romans 8, verse 29, a verse I'm sure you know well. Paul told the Corinthians, as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. In other words, we're, we're going to be like the Lord himself. 1 Corinthians 15, 49. He told this same congregation, the church at Corinth, in the second letter that he wrote to them, <coughs> we all with open face beholding as in a glass or in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. So it is as we behold the Lord, how do we behold him? By the information that is given to us in the Word. We look into the mirror of God's truth. We look into the mirror of Christ's life. And as we look at him and we study his life and we see what the Lord was, who he was, well then, as we look into that mirror, that glory is going to be in some fashion reflected in us. It'll be passed on to us. Writing to the Colossians, the apostle says, Ye have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Colossians 3 and 10. So in salvation, there is this picture of, of taking off the old garments, the old man, the life of sin, carnality, the world, and we put on something new. We put on Jesus Christ, and therefore we reflect his glory. Now, all these references that I've mentioned are pointing to our Christ-likeness. And this will become more apparent on the great day when we see him. Remember in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, we read, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall see him and we shall be like him. We shall be like him and we shall see him as he is. 
This is so for the mature Christian. Talking to people now, you've been a child of God for many, many years. It ought to be in your life as you're growing in grace and the knowledge of God. You ought day by day, week by week, month by month, and so forth, be showing forth the glory of God in your life. The way that you conduct your life, the way that you behave, the way you speak, everything about you. Every day, <clears throat> there, there ought to be the work of sanctification. And you know, sanctification is, as we know, dying to self, dying to the world, dying to all those things that are wrong so that we might live unto righteousness. And what is that? That's the life that reflects Christ. It is being like the Savior, conformed to His image. But not only is it for the mature Christian, it is also for our children and for our young people who profess to know the Lord. You should be like Christ, advancing in His likeness more and more, so that even at home, as your, your parents watch you day by day, they're going to see something of Jesus Christ in you. When you go to school and you're, you're walking among your friends, your friends must, if you are the Lord's child, see something of the Lord in you. It has to be if you are truly a child of God, advancing in the faith. We have the operations of the Spirit, you see. The Holy Ghost comes to live in the Christian. And if that is the case every day, there's the operation of God's Spirit that's making us more and more like the Lord. And we not only have the operation of the Spirit, but we have the governing authority of God's precious Word. And as we are gleaning from it every day and we're in this book, we're going to see more and more of the Lord. And as we see more of Him, then we're going to reflect more and more of His person. Young people, I say to you, strive to be like your Lord and your Savior. We've looked at the husband and the godly father of this home, or the father figure of this home, Joseph. We have given an overview of Mary, the mother and the wife of this family, and we began last Lord's Day to look at the Son, the Lord Jesus Himself. And very quickly, just to recap in a sentence or two, He grew. That's the first thing that we learned. He grew physically, He grew intellectually, and He grew spiritually. And how we want our children to grow in all those areas. Likewise, He waxed strong in the Spirit. He was strong spiritually. And we exhorted our young people last week to be strong, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. First, make sure that you are in a state of grace, that you're soundly converted, truly united to the Lord Jesus Christ, and then walk accordingly, a spiritual life, and walk strong in spirit just like Jesus did. Then we notice that He was filled with wisdom, he was a wise young lad growing up. He knew how to conduct himself in his family, how to conduct himself in the community where he lived and in what we might call church life as he went to the local place to worship the Lord, the synagogue. Think about it. Everything that he said was said wisely. Everything that he did was done wisely. And that must have made him stand out as a young lad growing up in the village of Nazareth. 
And we pray that the wisdom of God might be granted to our children as well. We know the Lord. Our children need wisdom. We said this last week in making decisions in life. They need wisdom in their relationship with family members. They need wisdom in choosing their friends. They need wisdom in how to speak to other people. They need wisdom to avoid the pitfalls in life, and there are many. They need wisdom in the pursuit of education, eventually employment. And they need wisdom in church involvement, how to get involved in the local church. We see God works through the local church. He always has. And, you know, we think of the letters that Paul wrote. They, they were written to local churches. We think of the, the words of Christ in Revelation 2 and 3. That they were all to local churches. And you want to know how to get involved in God's work. And then we notice the grace of God was upon him. As ordinary children grow up, they usually manifest the seeds of corruption and sin. But the grace of God was seen in the life of Christ, who knew no sin. The goodness and favor of God was evident in his life, even as a child. Children, young people, strive to be like him. Come to know the saving grace of God, and then what it is to walk in the keeping grace of the Almighty. <clears throat> then we finish with our fifth little point. Last Lord's Day, he attended the means of grace. And that brought us to verses 41 and 42, where this family goes up uh, to worship the Lord at the Passover time when the Lord was just a child of 12. And this is so important. You will know about the worship in the local church or the local synagogue. Jesus would have gone there every week. But these were special times that were led upon the families of Israel to make a journey that would have taken days to go and worship the Lord. Parents, learn from it. Understand your solemn responsibilities as a mother, as a father, but also your God-given responsibilities to your children to train them, to direct them, and to bring them up the way that Jesus was brought up. Now we come to our sixth little thought. He spoke about spiritual things. Look at verse 46. The child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went up to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days and returned the child, Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. They supposed them to be uh, with the rest of the company that were making their journey home. And when they didn't find him, they, they returned, and they went back to the city of Jerusalem. Look at verse 46. Came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. Here, the child Jesus is in discussion. For three days, this 12 year old boy discussed God's word, and he astonished his listeners with his understanding and the answers that he was able to give. In the Passover season, it was the custom for the Sanhedrin to meet in public in the temple court. 
so that they would discuss in the presence of all who would gather religious and theological questions. And this is where Jesus is. Isn't it a beautiful sight? Don't know how other children conducted themselves. I don't know what our children would do if, if they were in a similar situation. But, but there we have the leaders gathered together, the doctors of the law, and they, they gathered there so that these things that are spiritual and theological could be discussed. You'd expect the adult population to be there, but here's a child among them, and maybe other children too who were spiritually inclined. And there they sat and they listened and, and they spoke as well and discussed these matters. I say it's a beautiful sight. We would love to see it more often with our children, not only attending the means of grace. The means of grace is where we are now. This is our worship service. Tonight on a Sunday night through the year, we have our gospel meeting. Thursday night, we have another means of grace. It's a prayer meeting of the church, and those are the three main meetings of the church. But not only that, but we would love to see our children discussing humbly and yet intelligently the things of God. We want our children, like the 12-year-old Christ, to have a deep knowledge of spiritual things, to be conversant in the Scriptures, to be able to discuss even the deeper things of God. And that can only happen one way. Only one way. They must acquire a knowledge of the Bible. There's no other way that you can discuss these things apart from knowing God's Word. Here's where the family altar comes in. We speak about the family altar. The family altar is where we gather together as families, mother, father, whatever children are in the home, and the Word of God is opened. The Word of God is read. It is discussed. And children have the opportunity to, to ask questions on such occasions, but certainly they're taught. They're taught the Word of God in the home. So from a child like Timothy, they ought to know the Holy Scriptures that are able to make them wise unto salvation. And one of those ways that they acquire this knowledge is at the family altar. But it also means personal devotion. When a child is able to read, and my, they're able to read from a very young age, and they can read all kinds of literature that you set before them. You make sure that part of what you set before them as a Christian parent is God's Word. And you encourage them every day to spend time with the Lord and to read the Bible because they'll never get to know it unless they read it for themselves. And then we've talked about the public means of grace and that is when they come to the house of God and that's just for a very short time in the week, isn't it? If they get to the worship service, if they get to the gospel meeting and you bring them to the prayer meeting, it's just a few hours out of an entire week. But these are the means that God has given for the communication of the Word. So the children can be instructed that they can learn the Word of God and therefore be able to discuss these matters that are spiritual. Every possible opportunity, have them beneath the reading, the teaching, and the preaching of the Word. And then they will be able, like the Savior, to talk about these things to each other, but even to their peers to their parents and to older people. Notice that the Lord Jesus was about his father's business. His father's business 
was his chief concern. Look at verse 49. He said unto them, unto his parents, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? You want to mark these words carefully. They are the first recorded words of Christ, and they're very significant. In fact, they are the only recorded words of Christ in his childhood. You read nothing more about what Jesus said until he's 30 years of age. So these are the only words that he spoke when he was a child. The Father's business must be our business. No matter how old you are, whether you're 12, younger or older as a child, whether you're 50, 60, or, or even an older adult, the Father's business ought to be our business. Father's business is everything that God has appointed for us to do. It means the reading of God's Word. That's part of the Father's business to be in this book, as we've mentioned. It means in the place of prayer, calling upon the Lord privately and publicly. That's part of the, the business that God has given to us here on the earth. It means faithful attendance at the means of grace. It means discussing the Word of God as Jesus did. It means even preaching to others, because that's part of the great business that he's given. The great commission is here, going into the world and, and preaching the gospel to every creature. It means showing compassion to others. It means helping the poor and the needy. All those things that we read about in God's Word, it's the Father's business. You take the Bible and study it carefully and mark the commands of Scripture the exhortations of divine truth, the directions that God has given to His people, become conversant with the Father's business, and then, dear child of God, old and young, do it. Do the Father's business. Jesus did. It was His chief concern on earth. Then I want you to notice that He honored and obeyed His parents. Verse 51 he went down with them, he went home with them to, to Nazareth and was subject unto them. He was subject unto them. Jesus was obedient to the commandments of God. And this is the fifth commandment. Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And you see the Lord in subjection and so should we. I don't need to tell you in this house of God today, the importance of the Ten Commandments, the moral law of God, the dec Decalogue is the summary of God's moral law. It was given in the solemnity and the majesty of Mount Sinai amidst all the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the, the mountain smoking. You, you know what, what was happening there in Sinai when Moses went up to receive the law. Such phenomena would undoubtedly instill a sense of awe, reverence, and fear into the hearts of the people. But it was given in, in such a way to make Israel know how important these laws were. These commandments were given by God. Never forget the fifth commandment given side by side with the others. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not 
commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, and so on. And right beside those other laws is the law of honoring parents. God views obedience and honor to our parents as something that is important and necessary. And we do well to remember this in the age of rebellion and disrespect in which we're living. And I say to young people today, God requires obedience to your parents and the honoring of your mother and father. It's his requirement. Has been from the beginning of days, but it's been settled very clearly in his law from the days of Mount Sinai. The child Jesus was subject to his earthly parents. And so should we, so should you. And then one final little thought. He had favor with God and man. Very last verse. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And this is something to strive after. He grew in a close personal relationship with his father. And he also grew in his human relationships and friendships. Undoubtedly, this included having favor with the unrighteous people of Nazareth and the regions round about Galilee. He grew in favor. It's what the Bible tells us, with God and with man. If children grow in the Lord Jesus, and they grow particularly in wisdom, they will grow this way also, in favor with God and man. And this is so for us all, no matter who we are today as God's people. Don't you want God's favor? I certainly do. We're standing on the, the brink of a, a new year. I want the favor of God upon my life. I want to have that favor. And I want man's favor if possible. We're not going to receive it from everyone. But my, we certainly want favor in the proclamation of the gospel, that as people pass by, they will listen favorably, attentively, as they watch our lives, as we live a godly life like Jesus did even as a child, and they watch us, and there, there's nothing there to point the finger at us as, as being wrong and sinful and distasteful in our lives, but as they watch on, and you're living a godly life, I tell you, you will have favor with other people, and they will come to respect you. May the Lord in this incoming year bless us with both our children and our older people alike. Favor with God and favor with other people. May it be so. And I trust and pray as we've given these little points to you just very simply from God's Word about the life of Jesus as a child, that these things will be reflected in us and in our young people, and that even in childhood they will be conformed to the image of the dear Savior who bought them with his own blood for Jesus' sake. There is a hymn that speaks about the Lord, number 65, fairest of all the earth beside Chiefest of all, unto thy bride, fullness divine in thee I see, wonderful man of Calvary, that man of Calvary has won 
my heart from me and died to set me free, blessed man of Calvary. No better way to conclude than thinking of the man of Calvary. Let's all stand to sing. Pastor Thompson to come and close our meeting in prayer. Comfort of all my earthly way. pray we wish you well in a new year may the lord bless you in your ministry as you engage upon it good to have you in god's house god bless you brother Our father as we come before you in the wonderful and glorious name of the lord jesus christ we thank you father that we can look into this year it's just coming to an end and we can say surely god was with us we thank you, Heavenly Father, even in the difficult days 
we can look back and say, surely the Lord helped us and gave us the strength that we needed. But Lord, as we come before you now, we do thank you as we open up a, a new year. We pray, Lord God, as we come to you, we pray that this will be the year where we see great and amazing and mighty things happening for the glory of God. We pray that in our own personal lives that there will be a fresh desire to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Even as we're hearing this morning, Lord, about the young people being obedient to the scriptures and obedient to their parents and obedient to the ways of God. Father, may that be in all of our lives, no matter how long we've been walking and talking and living for your glory. Father, we pray that this year will be a year where we will be saying, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the church where you've used this church here, and we pray you continue to anoint the minister, that he would know your blessing, your anointing, uh, as he preaches and rightly divides the word of God. And we pray that this congregation would know your blessing in amongst them, that in amongst this community, that you would use them in a mighty way, that men and women and boys and girls would hear that they need to get saved, they need to get converted, they need to repent, they need to turn and put their faith and trust in Christ. So, Father, we pray that this year we're about to walk into, we pray that the windows of heaven would open up and you would pour out your blessing. So we commit ourselves to you, Father. We pray, Heavenly Father, you keep your hand upon each one of us that would leave this morning with the peace and the joy and the blessing of the Lord resting upon us in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen.